Good morning. Before I have you stand to read our, our text this morning, one thing I want to bring up, and probably a lot of you know about this, but if you don't, uh, I would say you need to. Uh, the, what's called the Respect for Marriage Act is really the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Uh, and that, that um, bill is now heading to the House. It's gotten passed. So if, right now, if the same vote takes place for that now, President will be signing into, uh, will, will sign it and will be a part of law, which is recognizing same-sex marriage. Everything is contrary to what God says. And it's just the beginning of what's, what's been happening uh, for us. So I, I just want to, I want to pray now just to sort of separate this a little bit from our study. But we need to pray for a miracle from the Lord, that some of these Republicans or those who were, are voting for it, that really no one should be voting for it, but they are. And that some of them, just a couple of them will, will come to their senses. One already has. So I just want to pray. If you, would you mind if I just pray and ask the Lord to do a miracle when this thing gets, gets to that place of voting? So Lord, we do. We, we're so thankful, Lord, for the clarity of your word on how you have designed things for our good. You've designed us, Lord, as husband, male and female, husband and wife. And we know, Lord, that in that is a beautiful picture of who you are your love, your mercy, your completeness, all of it. So, Lord, we would ask in Jesus' name that you'd be merciful to us, that there would be a miracle when that thing comes to be voted, would be voted down when it does. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. So, again, I want to also remind you, if you haven't been baptized, there is a baptism class right now. You can go there or next service and take that class, and then there'll be preparation for next week when we'll have a, or for the 7th, 18th, when we'll have a baptism. So, would you stand? Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 30 through chapter 12 and verse 3. We'll be looking at 30 through 40 this morning before we get into chapter 12 in our next study. Hebrews chapter 11, faith that obtains a good testimony. By faith, verse 30, Hebrews 11, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the heart at Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of change and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Having obtained a good testimony that through faith did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Verse, 12 of, verse 1 of chapter 12, therefore, the big therefore, really of the whole book leading up to it, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Let's pray. So, Lord, even that last verse, we want to consider you this morning. You endured such hostility from sinners against yourself. You went to the cross. You walked this world, walked on this planet. You who created all things walked among us, tabernacled among us, endured such hostility that we, Lord, would understand and know that there is a God who loves us, who came to take care of the problems between us, reconciled us through the cross. And Jesus, we are thankful for that. And I pray this morning as we hear the word that it would help us to take courage, to be strong and not be discouraged, not be weary in our souls. Because Lord, this world can wear us out pretty quick. So please bless this time. The things I prepared, break them fresh. Feed us, Lord, we're hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Faith that obtains a good testimony. The testimony meeting at church had gotten a little out of hand. One man stood and said, I've been smoking three packages of cigarettes a day and I'm going to quit. I've been drinking two cans of beer a day and I'm going to quit, echoed another man. I've been cursing an awful lot and I'm going to quit, confessed another parishioner. Caught up in the excitement of the moment, a little old man stood and said, I haven't been doing anything and I'm going to quit. <laughs> Obtaining a good testimony. How are we doing? How's that going? I'll give you three just simple outline up front. Faith, obtaining a good testimony. It's faith that never goes it alone. In other words, knowing that God is always with me. Secondly, faith that knows him who gets it done. Amen? God's the one who gets it done. And that's, in this, it's thanking God that he works in me and he works through me. The testimony. And then third, faith that looks unto Jesus. In other words, we're looking to Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. Now, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12, we're gonna, that's going to partition off to the next couple studies. But for this morning, faith that obtains a good testimony. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So as, in the, as we're going through this hall of faith, we now come to this place where you move from Moses... In Hebrews chapter 11, 23 through 29, last study, it also covers Genesis through Deuteronomy, the five books that Moses wrote. We're moving on now to Joshua, who is Moses' successor, and the book of Joshua that follows Deuteronomy. Now, I want to look at some verses this morning because I think this is, is so much on the Lord's heart for us. In fact, I'll share this in a moment. Friday night when, when uh, Sophia had to come up, she, the, the um, speaker got... The airline hearse. Okay, we're good. What's that? SeaTac was closed, so the speaker didn't make it. So Sophia, the night before, uh, asked the Lord just to give her, and she gave a word, which I want to. I'm going to share it in a moment. But this whole understanding that God is with us. He goes before us. He follows after us. And I want to look at that in some verses this morning because it's all over the place when you start looking at what's common in all these names. Well, this morning, the fact is that 
God is always with me. I'm never going it alone. Faith never goes by itself. So in Deuteronomy 11, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. That's a whole other story. But in, chapter, in verse 3, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to, Sh to Sihon and Og. The Lord will give them over to you. This is what God's going to do. In verse 6, be strong and of good courage. May I say that to each and every one of us? Be strong and of good courage. Why? Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Knowing that God is always with us. He's always with me. Verse 6, uh, verse 7, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. Now, this is interesting to me because Moses told Joshua to be strong and of good courage. Then God told Mo Joshua to be strong and of good courage. And then the people said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because God was with them. That's how they understood that. That's the context. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, on Friday night at the Christmas soiree, soiree, this is what, these are the things that Sophia shared. I was out there, I was doing the hot chocolate. It was wonderful. <laughs> but here's a couple, just a little bit from what she shared. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Dismay, feelings of anxiety and distress typically that caused that caused by something unexpected. From, and so, Sophie, I'm quoting, from the, the, the little unexpected to the big, our worlds get rocked very easily. But sister, brother, let nothing you dismay. Do not be troubled, for he has overcome the world. He is your way to freedom. Good tidings of comfort and joy. I've come with good news, she said a couple times. How to expect the unexpected. How do we do that? A couple things she shared among many. Pray like a warrior. Pray like a warrior. But then she said this, number two, know that God is in your corner. What a great way to put that. God is in your corner. So Joshua, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that he spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. In chapter 1, verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I think we need to hear this multiple times. It changes everything. When we really understand and we know that God is with us, before us, after us, we are never alone. God is there. 
So it says, for to this people you shall divide the land, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, that you may prosper wherever you go. Know that God's with you to prosper you. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. It's centered on God's word and what God's promised and what God's given to us as how to live life. So it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in him, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Read the Bible. Read the Word. Listen to what God's saying, knowing he's with you. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God said the same thing to Isaac in the midst of all of his troubles with Abimelech. In Genesis 26, the Lord appeared to him in that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants from my servant Abraham. Say, God, I'm with you, Isaac. I'm going to, take, I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to do what I promised. He said the same thing to Jacob when he was fleeing from Esau. Genesis 28, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you, what I promised you, I'm going to do it. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know how many times has that happened. The realization that God is with me. God is there. God has promised. God is faithful. He will do these things. He says there, and, I, and he was afraid. He was, he was awestruck. How awesome is this place? This is not in the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That was Jacob. God reassured the fearful and, listen, insecure prophet Jeremiah. The same thing. But the Lord said to me, do not Say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all of whom I send you, and whatever I command you shall speak, Jeremiah. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 19 of chapter 1. They will fight against you. And Jeremiah did not have a very pleasant ministry. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord. I will deliver you. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. Twice in two verses, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. What fears do we face? What things are out in front of us? God's saying, I'm with you. Do not fear. To his people, you're going to love this little lineup here in the prophets. Through the prophets, God repeatedly spoke the same thing. Listen or read with me. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine. When we stand before God at the, great, at the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus is going to say, he's mine. He's mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Isaiah 43, continuing, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious in my sight, fear not, for I am with you. 
I want this to wash over my heart, my mind. Just wash over, Lord, again and again. You're with me. You're with me. You're with me. Isaiah 40, uh, Jeremiah 30, for I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Jeremiah again, do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, says the Lord, for I am with you. Haggai, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Haggai again, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. I don't know what you're facing today. I know many times the things that we're all facing together is what's going on in our nation. But know this, take it in, take it to heart this morning. I, the Lord says, I am with you. I will help you. I will deliver you. I'll save with my, righty, my, my mighty right hand. Je- Listen, Jesus spoke the same things. He said to Paul the Apostle, who was being persecuted city after city after city, and it got to him, and he was discouraged. In Acts chapter 18, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued, that is Paul there, a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. I believe as I, as I read this and Paul's discouraged, he's ready to say, you know, I'm done. You ever say I'm done to the Lord? He's with you. He would speak to you this morning. I'm with you. By faith, the heart of Rahab, verse 31, did not perish those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. When Joshua sent two spies to check out Jericho, she received the spies with peace. She knew she was doing the right thing, Rahab. She hid them and then sent them away safely, knowing that's what the right thing to do was. Now, why did she know that? Because God was going before Joshua to make known who's coming in. In Joshua chapter 2, before they lay down, she came up on the roof and said to them, the men, I know the Lord has given you the land. So she's saying to these spies, I know, I've heard, I've seen what God did for you. He's with you. I saw it, we heard it, we know, and we're afraid. And we know that you're, you're God's people. He dried up the waters, killed Sihon and Og, And as soon as we heard these things, she said to them, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. Oh, that that our testimonies would shine like that. I know who who your God is. And when the spies returned, that was their report. They know God's going before us. They know he's with us. They've seen what he did for us. And then we read the conquering of Jericho. God had gone before them. Jericho, it's interesting in Joshua 6.3. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. They were fearful. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. So it's shut up and God's saying, see, I've given it to you. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do six days. So here it is, marching orders from God. 
before it ever took place, they already knew formidable odds were coming against them. Let's back up a minute to the cross of the Red Sea. It's the same thing. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea, 1129, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So in Exodus chapter 13, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God went before them in a miraculous way that was obvious. And then Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still as they're up against the Red Sea, fearing for their lives. There's the Egyptian army coming. Here's the Red Sea. What are we going to do? Ah! Moses sort of went, ah! God said, hold on. You just raise that. You raise it up. Get it up. And said to Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch what God's going to do. He told me, Exodus 14, and the angel of God went before the camp of Israel, who went before the camp, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. God's making the move to separate the Egyptian army from his people as he's drying up the riverbed. The crossing. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. The waters returned and covered the sea, and guess what? There's no more army because God had gone before them, gone behind them, hedged them in. God told Moses repeatedly that his angel would go before them, cross the Red Sea. My angel. So in Exodus chapter 23, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that, which I have prepared. For my angel will go before you and bring you, into the, bring you into the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Canaanite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, and that is out of sight, and I will cut them off. <laughs> Beforehand. I will send my angel. Don't be afraid. Exodus 32 again. Therefore, go lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. God, I believe, in the form of Jesus himself, going before them. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hivite, and the Perizzite. And he says to himself, observe what I command this day, but I am driving out from before you the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and I will cast out the nation before you and enlarge you. So God said, I'm going before you. You might think it's impossible. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. I'm sending my presence before you. And listen, again, God goes before us. He goes after us, and he will be with us every step of the way. David understood this in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me, know my sitting down and my rise up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain. David's saying, you're with me. Behind, before, and right now. And how we need to take that and say, yes, or like, yes. 
This is faith that obtains a good testimony. Knowing that God is always with me. Psalm 139 again. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my head to hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even then, notice, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Hold me, hold me, hold me. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab harlot, the heart, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish those who did not believe when she was received the spies with peace. Before Joshua even took one step in his march around Jericho, he has this encounter with the commander of the Lord's hosts, Jesus himself. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eye and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him, and his sword was drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He's ready to march. Joshua, so he said, No. Hold on a second. It's either, Are you, are you are for, uh, no. See, the question here is the wrong question. The question is, Is God for us? No, we know God. The question is, Am I? For him. Am I going to follow him? Am I going to trust him? As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We need to take our sandals off once in a while and just worship God. What a way to follow him. Begins in an encounter with the living God. To every believer, Jesus, our commander-in-chief, says the same thing. In Matthew chapter 28, the last verses of this, of the gospel of Matthew, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Here's our marching orders. Baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and you know it well, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There's a verse in Hebrews that we'll get to, chapter 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. To know Jesus with me, always with me, that he'll never leave me or forsake me is all I need to know. I need nothing else that I have him. Coveting this, that, and the other thing, let not your life be, but rather that you were walking with God and that he will never leave you or forsake you. Faith that never get, goes alone, knows him who gets it done, looks unto Jesus. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who's that? Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the alien. What more shall I say? He says, I don't have time to go through it all. It's so incredible. 
They names, these names that we've all heard. In fact, here we go from the book now of Judges all the way through the, Old Test- the rest of the Old Testament in our Hall of Fame, faith rather. That's these books it's covering. To read this membership is to be encouraged by the fact that every single one had a personal weakness and problems. Can you say amen to that? All of them. Calvin said, in every saint there is always to be found something reprehensible, unquote. George Brewer, in Messiology, this book which we have in the prayer room, he says, the mystery of, God, of how God works, even when it doesn't make sense to us. George reflects on his, on his life and ministry to remind us that God works in mysterious ways. Then he says this. He cautions us from getting critical. Wow, that is such, can be such a derailing of faith in God. That he's with me. That I believe that. That I'm thanking him for working in me and through me. That I could put my eyes on Jesus, the author and finish my faith. But he says, he cautions from getting critical. He urges us toward love, patience, affection, grace. He says, major in the majors, minor in the rest. And trust God always, even in failure. The Lord help us. You see, when we know he is with us, these are the things that flow from that understanding. Gideon, listen. Gideon was hopelessly outnumbered. He defeated the Midianites with 300 men, broken clay pitchers, and torches. God worked in and through him with his need for constant reassurance. So I'm going to put a fleece out. Next one, I'm going to do it the opposite. Then God says, okay, you're still having a problem with that? Okay, I'm going to let you hear the dream of one of your enemies. And God will do that reassuring us, reminding us, giving us to us the things that we need. Barak, Judges 4 and 5, cowardly and weak. He delivered Israel from Sisera's army. God worked in him and through him by using a woman to go with him. God worked in him and through him, though he shamed himself with his lack of confidence. His lack of courage. God still worked in him and through him. He used him. Samson, everyone knows Samson, right? Foolishly immature and very sensual, driven by his passions. He began to deliver Israel from the Philistines. God worked in him and through him, though it took him his whole life to grow up. He died. His last and final push would be his final legacy of faith. Jephthah, Judges 11 and 12. An illegitimate child expelled from his brother and paternal abode. He was called a mighty man of valor, one whom the Spirit of the Lord had descended. He delivered Israel from the Ammonites, but then he made a rash vow which to his character he kept. But this vow robbed him of his only daughter and robbed his daughter of her only desire to marry and have children. He surrendered his daughter to bewail her perpetual 
virginity. And then every year, this tragedy, this sadness, was reminded, was, they remember it in, in taking four days every year to remember Jephthah's daughter. It's called messiology. David, I look at him as being so transparently human. How many can you, how, no wonder so many can, can relate to David. The sweet psalmist of Israel. The man after God's own heart. What more can he say? What, for what? Time would fail me to tell of David. So many things in his life. Tremendous success and very troubling failures. The highest highs and the lowest lows. So thoughtful and yet so thoughtless many times. So right and yet so wrong. So fearless at times and yet so fearful in other times. I share all these things with you that we just might realize every one of us has weaknesses. Every one of us has problems. Everyone, and yet that does not preclude us from God working in us and through us. And we thank God for it. Bunch of broken clay pots. Samuel. Now, you know Samuel. He was dedicated to God by his parents at a very early age. He was a miraculous promise that God gave to Hannah. And this great prophet would lead Israel through very difficult times in their history. Very difficult times. And yet, the same man could not lead his own sons through life. He would point them as priests. They were corrupt. They were sleeping with the women. They went unrebuked by him. He'd call it a faulty fatherhood. Would he have changed it? Because you bet he would have. Yet this is who Samuel was. This is what happened in Samuel's life. The prophets, God worked in and through them throughout Israel's history. In fact, Hebrews book starts, God at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Hebrews 1.1, the prophets. So how did God work in and through them? It tells us in verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life. Sometimes God works great victories. Over and above themselves or their abilities, God brings victory. When the odds and numbers and facts are stacked against them, God worked through them, in them and through them, and brought victory, brought freedom, brought release. And listen, God still works in the same way today. And knowing he's with us, he's for us, is to know how he himself is our good testimony. Now, with that, I would say, we need, you need to reject teachings that this is the way God always works. 
there are two videos. If you haven't seen them, I'd encourage you to see them, to watch them. American Gospel Christ Alone is addressing the prosperity gospel, the word of faith doctrines that are heretical. American Gospel Christ Crucified is, is addressing the progressive Christianity, which is not the same gospel as another gospel, undermining the cross, undermining all these things that are without we are lost. I'd encourage you to watch them. God doesn't always work with, in seeing great victories. But there are those that are teaching, oh yeah, you just say it, it's yours. Just confess it, it's yours. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be wealthy. You shouldn't be sick. If you're sick, then you're lacking faith. To which there's a theological term for that. You know what it is? Baloney. <laughs> False teachers like Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, and Joel Osteen, to name just three, willfully ignore for their own greedy gain what is clear in the Bible, that is, these others. Oh, there are these, quench the violence, fire, stop the mouths of lions, out of weakness are made strong, and all these things. Yes, God does that, but there are many other times. That's not what God is doing. That's not what God is allowing. And so these others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, that, some believe that's Isaiah, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Note that, of whom the world was not worthy. Such faith in God. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Sometimes God allows great suffering in and through his son or his daughter, his people. Why is it that some suffer horribly and others do not? Why is it that some escaped the edge of the sword and others were slain with the sword? How God works in and through this is not mine to say, I got the answer. But it's mine to pray, Lord, help me to endure. Help me to really know that you are with me. Help me to really know you're working in and through every circumstance and everything that's going on in my life to bring about my good and your glory. Help me, Lord. You got to help me with that. mind to trust. All these have obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God had provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. The complete and final work of God in us and through us, as well as in every Old Testament, New Testament saint, is in and through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for my salvation. These all, having died in faith, did not receive why Jesus had not come yet. Which, in my mind, makes even their faith so much the more profound. It is only in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, in and through the finished work on the cross, where God himself worked the final victory, where God himself suffered immensely, incomprehensibly, in order that he would finish the work necessary to bring us to that freedom and absolute life because of the forgiveness of our sins and being reconciled to him 
How wonderful is our God. All these, all these, no exceptions, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The work God in and through us, all these, is ours. And all the promises are wrapped up in Christ. Though God used them so mightily, though God allowed them to suffer so incredibly, every one of them and every one of us is in need of a Savior. I love this. It's called In the Light by DC Talk. I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I am the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a savior. That's, that's, that's the truth. Paul said, I'm, I know in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. What's God's remedy? Kill it. Put it to death. No number of great victories and no amount of great suffering can ever save us from our sins. Only Jesus can do that. All these, not only no exceptions, but no exclusions. Though these all failed, and many times they failed after God had worked in and through them in great ways. Gideon, after he had worked so mightily, made a golden ephod, became kind of a monument to himself, and it became a stumbling block to Israel. After God had done the things that he did. Barak, after God worked so mightily, he received no glory because he didn't do it. Except God had to help him, send a woman with him. But you see, Jesus came and died because Barak needed a savior. David, after so many triumphant victories, what happens? He should have been out on the battlefield again. Where was he? He was looking out his window. And after God had done so much in and through him, he cast his eyes on Bathsheba and it brought such pain and heartache into his family for many years to come. You see, Jesus came and died because David needed a Savior. And name these all in there. Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Peter, Paul and yes, Mary. All these and all we needed a Savior. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but we have now God's promise in flesh and blood. In the middle of this sermon, a man jumped up, Preacher, he shouted, I have been a miserable, contemptible sinner for years, and I never knew it before tonight. Before he could say any more, a deacon in the next pew announced, Sit down, brother. The rest of us knew it all the time. That's the deal. We all need a Savior. And so faith knows, I know, in my Savior, God is always with me. I'm thanking God because of my Savior. He works in me and through me to do His will. And I'm looking into my Savior, the author and finisher of my faith. It's the promise they didn't receive, but we now have because of Jesus. And so, my little children, these things I write to you, they may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for mine only, but also for the what? whole world. It's Jesus. 
And so therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? We just got done looking at them. He's transitioning now to chapter 12. These witnesses, are they watching in heaven? I don't know. There's so great a cloud of witnesses. Are they all watching down in heaven? I'll tell you, if I was in heaven, I wouldn't even want to be watching what's going on on the earth. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. This cloud of witnesses has gone before us. So I'm transitioning just to our next set of studies. I think it's like a relay race where we've been handed the baton. And there's been this exchange, this good exchange. And now it's ours to run our leg. And as we round the track in our little segment, at some point we're going to hand that off. I want to hand it off to my children. I want to hand it off to my grandchildren. And that's part of the race right now. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised his shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest what? You become weary and discouraged in your soul. It's interesting, weary and discouraged. These words were used of runners who relax and collapse after they cross the finish line when the race is over. And brothers and sisters, I know for you and for me, this obtaining of a good testimony. We know that God's with us. We know he's working in and through us. We'll get our eyes on Jesus. And so right now is not the time to collapse. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It requires that we discipline our lives to build and maintain our spiritual stamina, which is what he's going to be talking about. We're still in a race, and we must not relax before we reach the finish line. Do you know where your finish line is? I know who I'm looking at to get me there. It's Jesus. I want to relax, collapse in the arms of Jesus at the finish line. So we're going to look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, who's the mediator of the new covenant. In other words, don't refuse him who's speaking. Serve him with godly fear. We'll see Jesus saying yesterday, today, and forever. So bear his reproach and offer the sacrifice of praise to God. These are all things that we're going to look at. Here's the final one in the closing. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He is working in you to will and to do what's pleasing in his sight. He's the shepherd. To him be glory forever and ever. Everyone said, amen. Would you stand as the worship team comes up and let's close in a song and then I'll come and close us in prayer. So Lord, we just stand before you. In fact, I reflect back for a moment on when, when you met Joshua to take off your shoes is holy ground. Lord, we stand before you, our holy, good God. And we want to offer to you now just the praise that you are, that's due to you. 
And having heard your word now, Lord, just take it and sink it into good soil that it might bear fruit, that we might obtain a good testimony by keeping our eyes locked on you, who you are, and what you've done, and the promises that are yet ours in knowing you. So please, Lord, hear our, prayer, our worship right now to you.